0: Hi, I'm Jim, and I'm David, and this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast, the podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. What's up, boys and girls? No, I'm not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. I'm going to give
1: you one of these right here. No, right. Yeah, you're going to give me,
0: yeah, middle finger. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a regular listener? If not, Why not? (laughs) If not, If (laughs) subscribe. That was like old English, right? The royal we. Uh, Subscribe to The Practical Guitarist using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review with the service where you found our podcast. Like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at... Our new email address, questions at practicalguitarist.com. Yeah. So, nice. our previous episode, we left off talking about boss pedals yes. in Regs of the Stars. And I think we would be remiss at this point if we didn't follow up with that discussion. And I'm going to sure. start it off by saying I'm going to give you a couple names.
1: Go ahead.
0: Bye. Yes. Johnny Marr. Yes. Prince. Yes. Eric Johnson so many yeah John 5 Uh Martin no Friedman, John, not Eric Johnson but but other people yeah
1: um Zach Wild Gus G I think Orianti plays everything I'm not going to Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I mean these are people that like oh i shut up. <laughs> these are people that uh well, she oh, does, it, you give her they they give her $5 <laughs> except I will give her this PRS guitar. She has been a devotee Yeah. Key.
0: I, honestly, like I don't. I, she's so squeaky clean. I, I have really a lot of trouble. Oh, like, dude, I
1: her. I don't see her squeaky clean. Have you seen her stuff with? the... Uh, um, oh, come on! You used to play for Bon Jovi. Like, I
0: love Nita Strauss and people. I, I, there are other like female guitarists that I really like. I'm for excited Baton. to
1: try her new I, guitar.
0: Okay, well, I could see that. I, I mean, I mean, like I get it. It's just I, it's not my thing. It's no, it's or, great, it's no, a lot um, more pop oriented than I'm comfortable
1: with. No, uh, what's her names? Um, the uh, the Ibanez that. Uh, Oh, D. Strauss. D. Strauss put it. I I would really love to try that out. Um, but yeah, boss, 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 boss.
0: So these guys, like Steve Vine, I'm going to use him as a, I'm going to hold him up as an example because like he's he's you know seen as a guitar god by by a lot of people. Um, it, you know his sounds come from a DS1. Like a lot yeah. of what he uses, his his preferred boost pedal, drive pedal, is a DS1. Yeah. And there's some YouTube clips you can go watch him, and he talks about that versus some other boss, and ironically, other boss pedals that he uses, yeah. and he talks about the difference between digital distortion and analog distortion, how he feels like analog distortion works better in an environment where you're running a cranked up amp and a digital distortion works better through a clean amp. And so he uses them kind of interchangeably. Right. He talks about how you would rather use a digital distortion on a fly, a fly date than an analog distortion. And I mean, there's a whole thing on it and it's a really cool conversation. Okay. Um, because you'd never think about like pro guitar players being like, man, I really want that. Like was that they made a, I forget what the last digital distortion pedal they did was, but I, but I, I know a uh, boss has done a couple of them. Um, You know, you could never really think like, oh yeah, I really want that, you know, that digital, like, (laughs) that digital thing going on.
1: The DS-1 is an amazing little pedal, because I gotta be honest, so uh, a guy I play with regularly uses a DS-1, loves it, and he sounds good with it. I try to use a DS-1, and I hate it, and I cannot get a good sound. I have owned... And I've owned three of them.
0: I have also owned three of them and i cannot so if i'm using it as a boost pedal and i'm not using it as a game pedal like yep. i'm not trying to actually use it as a distortion right i can get some cool sounds out of it right. if i'm using it as a mild distortion we're talking like the, the game knobs at like nine o'clock or you know something like that um i can get i can get some pretty cool sounds out of it but it's not a pedal that you know, like I immediately jump up and i'm like yeah this is my go-to box Right. You know, that's why I bought that Wampler um Pinnacle. But um yeah. that's kind of the point w- where I'm going with this is like I think it's a lot of the, the um boss pedals have like very specific uses, like the blues driver, for example. Um and I think a lot of the pros like they basically just say, I need a I need a flanger. And they're not worried about whether it's an old ADA flanger or anything like that. They're just like, Give me that purple box right there. Because I don't need any... I, it doesn't have to be crazy. And and re- realistically, Boss, every stomp box they make is extremely usable. Right down to, and you're going to hate me to say this, but the fucking
1: Metal Zone. Like, yeah. that's the most lauded pedal in history. And you, you know, know what? what? The Metal it's Zone... It's not that bad. The Metal Zone would not have lasted the years that it did if there hadn't been something that people can get from it. Look how many pedals came and went during that period. Exactly. Exactly, a pedal, whole pedal companies, much like yes. pedals. But yes. Let Let's. So the metal zone. Those of you who haven't seen it should watch Wampler's metal zone video. Should probably link that.
0: I haven't. Yeah, I haven't watched it myself, but I, but I've heard him talk about it. It before. is
1: so funny. He he does all this stuff, and then he says, "I put this thing in the metal zone," which he, he didn't. There's one trick one he's got for you in there that that he obviously didn't. Put all put right. In the metal zone. But I got to tell you that he, he, simple mods made that thing sound incredible.
0: So while we're talking about the metal zone, I should point this out. Anybody familiar with the band Government Mule yep. and, uh, yeah, and amazing. or, 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 or Brothers band, like in recent years before they broke up for the final time, um, Warren Haynes yep. of Government Mule uses a metal zone yeah. as his primary That's, pedal. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, dude. Like that guy does not sound. Sa- that does not sound like fucking metal zone. Okay, if ever there were a case for a pedal having uses outside yeah. the normal <laughs> paradigm of what you'd expect, you to, that's it, right Warren there. Warren Haynes does it. That's exactly, yeah, absolutely dude. right. He uses a fucking metal zone. Like I, I, it just blows my mind every time I hear the guy. Killer tone, and it's like a metal zone through a Soldano or something. Yep. <laughs> like,
1: what the fuck? Yep. I can't. I. But then again, okay. So here's something that. Um, I don't know who pointed it out recently this week, but when you buy a, um, a instrument, or I mean a pedal, and you go to try it out in the store. Your that pedal is not even if you try out with the exact same amp you have at home. It is not in your rig. Even if you have the, even if you bring your guitar to the place and you bring some if it's not in your pedal board and in your line, there is going to be a difference in how that sound flows. And there have been people who, you know, it's like, okay, well, uh, this pedal into that pedal sounds good, but the very same exact pedal into this other pedal doesn't sound as good.
0: Yeah. And I think I'd mentioned it too. It's just like a whole game staging idea that, right. that, um, hitting those first stages of a pedals buffer and stuff, and what it does, and the, the difference in impedances from pedal to pedal. I mean, are just as wild as it is going from one guitar to another. They can be, I mean, literally plugging in a Les Paul into an amp versus plugging in a Stratocaster can completely right. change the tonality of the amp depending on what kind of input impedance it expects to see. Absolutely. Um, now hopefully, most modern amps now are designed with either you know a higher low jack, or they have you know they are equipped to deal with a range of impedances. Um, so you shouldn't have those problems nowadays. But the the point is that like those things exist, and those relationships yeah. are important.
1: Yeah, um, they are. And so, the, and, and the thing about Boss, here's the thing about Boss that I like, and and it's the whole reason that I've I've a million times thought I should just get all rid of all my pedals and only go Boss. Um, although I'm gonna tell you right now, I love the TC Electronic Spark Iat. Yeah, that's that's been a great. Um had that's a, one pedal they don't have, they don't have a good boost. Yeah. Um anyway, no, they don't. That's weird. Because I was gonna say you could literally have a whole pedal board of just boss pedals, boss into boss. You don't have to worry about power, just get a boss ISO. A- everything can be boss from from beginning to end.
0: Unless you need a boost,
1: unless you need a boost, and and some people use the blues drivers boost.
0: Um, yeah, and so I mean, I guess that's like that's your your option there. Yeah. Um, to be honest, like, so I have a secret Bosch fetish. I, I've been telling myself once I get once I get my rig to where I want it to be, um, that I'm going to start collecting Boss pedals. Now I've seen guys that have like every single Boss pedal ever made. And the 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 collection is insanely massive. And when you stop and you think about that, like guys like Prince, who are like, my entire board is going to be Boss. Like, I don't think he actually approached it that way. I think it was just like, this is the thing of convenience. And for him, it was like, I have every Boss pedal on demand, so I could just pick from the you know from the tonal palette here. You know, Boss doesn't try to like. They, when they make a flanger, they don't call right. it like the the jet flanger or the right. they do that with their drive pedals because they're trying to be a little bit more um yeah. they're trying to be a little bit more descriptive, but like you you got a flanger. Like yeah. the phaser is a phaser. The tremolo yeah. pedal is a damn tremolo pedal. You and know? it's not
1: it's not some um uh, what's the word I want? Some some weird play on words to show you that it's actually a copy of this. Like they don't say you. You notice that, boss. I, I'm, yeah. Maybe they do, and I don't know. I don't think Boss does a lot of copying. I don't think they do. I, I honestly don't think they have a copy. I mean, now if you I look think at they the, have done some
0: stuff, but I mean, it's like their stuff is way more derivative than right. copy.
1: Right. I mean, all right. Let's say let's uh, everybody makes a a two screamer.
0: They make the super overdrive.
1: But it's not a tube screamer.
0: No, it's it's got asymmetrical clipping or whatever. Right. I, I, that is probably the incorrect term for it. But they they have a they have a different clipping circuit in right. there, and it's just mm. a, it's a little component change, but it makes a world of difference.
1: And they're not trying to be a tube screamer. Um, yeah, they they don't have a clone clone.
0: No, they don't. They don't have any desire to. They
1: don't have. They
0: got the blues driver, which is They don't is the have a Marshall
1: clone. amp in a box.
0: No, and that's well, they have the Angry Charlie now. Not the angry. Uh char- but that uh, was
1: the, that was that. That's the first. time. The angry driver. Yeah. Was that last year? Right. The yep. angry Charlie, which is basically a blues driver. Right. Which is so, basically a blues driver our, with a um, with a it, Charlie. What do they call it? The angry. Angry Charlie on it. Angry Charlie. Thank you.
0: And they're in like parallel or whatever. Right. But so what? While we're talking about that, most people need to realize that that a lot of your amp and a box circuits start out life as a blues driver. Yeah. And they just tweak and modify until they get what they want. There are cases where that's obviously not, not the norm, like the Super o, um, the Supra clones. Right. You can get those Supro in a box pedals. Or the
1: Ubershaw in a box I'd, from Ubershaw. Yeah, well, and so that's
0: never been Boss's thing to like try to do an amp in a box. No. Nope. Like, a lot of their pedals are more oriented towards, okay, this is meant to go into your amp. You know, like, into your distorted amp. And
1: Yeah, Boss is not trying to say, okay, this is an amp. Except for the... I mean, the, the multi-effects unit, the ME80, which I, I actually like. Oh,
0: sure. All of their multi-effects have always done that. I mean, where right. they had cabinet modeling and stuff. Right. Save for the one... Uh, they did one that was like an analog modeling board. Right. Um, which was just like a representation of the Cosm models of their real pedals. It
1: would be interesting to see Boss do something similar to Line 6 in that... Put all their pedals... All of their own pedals. All of them. Into a box...
0: Well, I think that's what the GT One Thousand is supposed to be, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going there, <laughs> uh, but I haven't heard a lot of things about the GT One Thousand.
0: So my impression, because I I've been following that thing, okay. um, I was interested because like I'm a big I'm a big believer in Boss. I had uh, I had the big switching system, um, and I had uh, and the big one, the the seven or eight channel one. Um, and I have had a number of Boss pedals. I love their Ottawa, the current one, the AW3, which I know a lot of people don't like. Um, so I was like kind of excited when it came out because I was hoping it would rival the Helix and that maybe like it would be a good chance for me to get into a cheaper option and then roll some of that money into an actual other amp. Right. And what ended up happening was like, so it has what they call this airis technology which has IR in it so everybody was thinking oh it's impulse response based this is going to be a Kemper and right. it's nothing it's it's if anything it's a scaled up version of the GT1 which is right. the one that they launched earlier um with more switch more switches and stuff and in fact they so at Nam people were asking well does it do impulse responses? And then, like the, the the oh, well, it will when it launches, but to my knowledge, it still doesn't. It, it still doesn't do impulse responses. Yeah. and uh, it's out. It's been out for a couple months now. Yep. So I don't know that they're even going to add cabinet modeling impulse responses thing. They certainly are not doing impulse response to guitar amps now. I don't know how their modeling technology is working now, but I've heard a lot of different things said about how they're modeling things now, especially coming with it from the Katana line. But you know what's really funny. They they made out like the katana was a solid state amp, uh, in in the in the, it generated its distortion from the solid state section amp. That things a, that things a modeling amp. You, you can yeah. you can hack it and it it's basically a, the GT one hundred, yeah, with a speaker attached to it and a, and an amplifier. Yep. Yep. So that's <clears> the <throat> amplifier GT one hundred.
1: What I was right. So what I was getting at is that the GT one thousand. Wouldn't that be nice if, because, okay, most of these um, multi-effects pedals sound like shit in front of an amp. There's no, don't sugarcoat it, let's
0: not. No, they don't. I mean, like, so, you know, I I, I agree with you completely. They don't sound good in front of an amp, for the most part. Right. The times where it does is you're not using any sort of amp modeling, no cabinet modeling. I do that with my Helix. I run a lot of effects uh, into my Mark V,
1: right? But you're so. you're turning off all the modeling, and that's what I'm saying. Wouldn't it be nice? It, my understanding is the GT1000 um, is the Wazacraft line um, in in a box, so it should. Now I'm not saying I haven't used it yet, but it should sound like. A, a a line of it should give you the ability to do what you would with a line of Wazacraft pedals.
0: You mean the DD500 the 500 series? Cuz the Wazacraft are all analog.
1: Well they're they're saying that it's got the Waza um
0: it, it, well it has the Waza approach from the Waza amp. Right. Okay. Remember they made the amp. But they have
1: the, Waza pedals.
0: I know, but they're referring to the amp technology that they developed to put into the Waza the three thousand dollar solid state amp they came up with. Right. So there, it's a bit it's a different thing. So they have they do have models of those Waza pedals in there, I'm sure. But the focus is more on this is um you know this is our multi effects unit and it right. does it does everything the Helix does. It's a Helix killer. That's what it was designed to do. And I don't uh, I don't think and, and the community has reacted to it that way too. It's like it, you know it it's a competitor but but it's still behind like it's not really there yet no. and so maybe the GT 1000 plus or something is going to add some features that will put <clears throat> it over the top
1: once they start throwing some uh um, some stuff I, into the
0: i think their cabinet modeling is real weak at boss i think that's yeah. their big their big downfall in their yep. modellers yeah, and i don't Honestly, um a lot of people don't like the the Helix cabinets either, but I think they're more u- they're more usable even than the ones you got there. and nowadays, if you don't have an impulse response loader, like what the hell are you doing? Because that's that's like the 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 icing on the cake for this stuff is that if you don't like our cabinet models, which by the way are probably the most important thing for you to do to your guitar sound in the in the modeling world, then, you know, hey, you can't use anything else. Like, what are you thinking, boss? Uh, boss, not yeah. boss. What do you think, boss? What's <laughs> it, so, boss? Anyway, I, gg One Thousand, cool, cool concept. I'm just, I don't see. Yeah,
1: and that's and that's the thing. It has been letting people down. Um, in the it, overall, I think that the the, the expe- because you have an expectations here, but I think that's because it goes back to what we talked about. I don't know if it was this cast or last cast, but it is about pedal
0: into pedal yeah it's been a lot of casts <laughs>
1: is that reaction to you know each other um you know as you put this pedal into this pedal into this pedal
0: yeah I'm not sure so because you're simulating
1: it at that point right
0: I know that the Helix has some it, it does things based on impedance so I can adjust the Helix input sensitivity right. to match the impedance level of my guitar and uh, they give you, I think it's like eight or 10 different options as far as that's concerned. Uh, it's like, you know, infinite impedance, you know, thousand. Uh, I can't remember all the, the ratings, but anyway, you could, they break it down and you can select different ones. But I don't know that they're actually doing like impedance from pedal to pedal in that system, you know, right. and the, and the whole overarching thing. So I, I think that may be a next step. Um, I suspect the Helix may be doing some of that because I know that depending on what my fuzz space uh, model goes into, it changes the the sound of it pretty significantly right. So and that would be the pedal you would notice it with. I mean,
1: I think that that's what you know we're we're going towards <coughs> it would be nice to be able to to um, have that that impedance match and mismatching because sometimes that's what it's all about I, I, if we can get.
0: If you could get a couple of the big manufacturers, and maybe a couple of the smaller ones, guys like Wampler, who are who are willing to do this kind of thing, maybe Keeley or something like that, yeah. to come together and agree on a platform,
1: oh geez.
0: a digital platform, and you just buy the 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 code from them, like we
1: were, yeah, we're, we were talking about that this week when we were talking about Android and, and uh, uh,
0: yeah, it's a standards thing, and I I know it would is. be suit. So, I, I my understanding is that the the like the builder community, and if anybody is a builder and you're listening, um, feel free to chime in in the group. Um, my my understanding is that the builder community is like very close knit, and they all work together, and they're all like you know they're all cross functional, like they all like each other, and or at least that you know they get along well enough that they'll help each other. Um, if you guys did that, like think of think of um, how much money you would save on actual build costs versus you know software costs. Granted. You're still gonna have to deal with the problems, you know, like a, the, the the platform doesn't support this, uh the sound quality is not as good as my analog pedals. But like yep. it would be a cool option. And you can see some of these builders, like, especially in the amp world, they're starting to embrace this new technology. Um, who is it? Uh Dr. Z has yep. impulse responses of their amps that you can yep. go buy. Yeah. For for the Kemper. And that's pretty cool, if you ask me.
1: But it it should be something that you could buy for eight in other, what I'm saying is you should be able to buy that for just about everything. Sure. You should be able to buy that IR and go, you know what? I want to stick that onto my... Um, uh. But this this really comes down to coding. And that's just like what we were yeah. talking about. Because So folks, we're looking at, at buying microphones, right? So we're going to be doing these um, podcasts from remote locations and we want to be able to use a microphone while we're there. Well, um, I have an Android and Well, I also have iOS products.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have a mix of
1: platforms. Right, and you have um, uh, Apple products. So I may have to carry my iPad mini, you know, my mini 4 right here, um, to and from these things. Because I may just have to be stuck with using um, devices that are built for Apple. Because
0: there ain't nothing made for for android in this market. there's very little made proof. for android. Yeah.
1: and samsung had to jump up and go, yeah, we're going to the C the USB C plug. Yeah. plug versus a, a a micro. Who the hell else is using C? So, apple Yeah, apple is using it on their machines but not on, on the, their
0: yeah, uh, not on their phones cuz it's right. not small enough.
1: Exactly. So that's, I mean, I, I'm willing to bet we'll see some changes coming for Samsung in the future. But the point is, so I love my Samsung phone, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> um, I still think I made the right move. But for doing something like this, I'm going to have to carry this too. Yeah. And we we talked about this. What happens is, those of you who may not know, when a device, we're going to get boring here for a second. So... There is a there is a certain amount of code, and it's way down at the machine language. It's not the code you write like you're used to writing um, Java or HTML or whatever, or even is, C, right? You know? Or even C. These are these are very simple words. I I use the word words words um, very loosely. Yeah, that talk back and forth between the the host device, which in this case is your is your handheld, your phone, or your your. Um, iPad or your ta- your other tablet and your um, uh, interface uh, or your your uh, your external device. Now, because these things are very simple, it's a very small amount of code you can't modify. Mm-hmm. This is this is built into the device, and when it plugs into a machine, the machine says, "I'm this kind of device. Use this set of words for me." When um, and Apple, when you use Apple,
0: by the way, it's called an instruction set. So yes,
1: instruction set. I, I don't want to, I don't want to go into machine code language and MMLs and all that stuff.
0: No, but I think that's, that's a, a pretty like right. that explains what it is. And it's it. a,
1: li- right. And it's relatively limited. There may be 500 words or less yeah. in yeah. the instruction set. It's just stuff like timing and I'm. I'm the input device. Now you're the input device, so it sets up the I/O. It does all that stuff. The you know everything that comes through. Um, now, so with a with an apple, if if I'm a I don't want to use the word lazy, but if I want to um, mitigate my R and D um, and minimize my R and D, every IOS device is the same. Yeah, when it comes to you talking don't have, back, you and don't forth. have to worry about new instruction sets. That's right. You go one instruction set now. Somebody could say, "Well, Jim, the old, the old, um, uh, first generation apples." Are yes, you're right, but they don't talk to the device. It'll say it needs to be an iPad Mini or, or, or I mean, uh, iOS this to, uh, and up. Because what happens is <clears throat> now every iOS device is the same, and you're going to say, "Well, Jim, every Android is an Android." Oh but no. The extraction code set they're not. LG may use a different set of words than Samsung, than Nokia. Than, they may have a different chipset. Right. And And, and chipsets. Right. And chipsets are where your ones and zeros matter. Right. So So that is where it gets difficult. So that's
0: why we're talking about standardization of platform because right. it would be really cool. And, and the the IR itself, the whole the whole technology that drives that, is basically standardized. I mean, it's a wave file in most right. cases right. that is over a specific amount of time that represents a frequency response range. Yeah, and so that's why we have different loaders that can use the same software. Now Kemper does have their own like. Specific format and stuff, but I and I don't know all the specifics. Of there, there may be some other things said alongside that IR as part of that format. But basically, for all purpose and purposes, if they could adopt a common thing, then we could have this kind of modularity to the digital side of things that would be basically like a new age of um, equipment. I think there's a business aspect to that too that might be a problem. There, there's ultimately. You're you're
1: buying licenses again. I mean, yeah, you're down to the same thing. So yeah, you're buying a license. And here's the thing: how many of you have ever had where you bought something and you got it for Apple, and you went and you tried to use it on your PC, can't use it, or you tried to use it on your Samsung, you can't use it because it was it was licensed for Apple and not for anything else. Um, or you tried to um, uh, use something that was for Mac, and you got to buy it again for PC. A lot of companies have moved away from that. Even Microsoft, smart enough to move away from that. And they said, okay, you know what? Office, I bought Office. And um, so I I pay for a subscription to Office. And because I pay a subscription, I can put it on any devices. I don't have to worry about, oh, I got to have a Microsoft subscription. I got to have a, you know, a a Windows subscription. I got to have an Apple subscription. I got to have a you know, an Android subscription is just—it's just a subscription to use Office. But those are things that are that we're losing. Yeah. Um, and so, getting out of that and into the guitar community, <clears throat> it, wouldn't it be nice if you know the the developers would say, you know what? Yeah, we can we can ma- we can make this work. We can we can work together to um, do that. Now, I don't know because I'm not in that community, and I don't know how hard it is to standardize some of this stuff. I really don't.
0: So. No, I, I, it's, I mentioned it's a monumental task, but right. um, let's because, switch gears.
1: Because everybody would have to agree on something and make modifications to their um, engineering um, and R&D. to to
0: And business and, and business practices, basically. Right. I mean, it's, it's just like changing the industry all at once. Um, so anyway, backing up, um, I came across a cool product uh, a couple weeks ago. and Well, not a couple weeks ago. I've known about it for a while. And uh, I brought up the gym because... I have, so, do you use guitar stands? Like, I know you, or not guitar stand, but an amp stand. Yeah. I know you use an amp stand at times, yep. um, but right now that you're, you know, you're going direct, you don't really, it's not really that big an issue.
1: No, but uh, when I practice at home, I always use it. So,
0: I'm, I have um, a metal amp stand now from Gator, which is okay. It works good for, for what I'm doing, except that I don't use a combo, right? So, my initial... Qualification was how do I find an amp stand that I can use a head on? Well, as, as I went down my journey, I had the um, I bought that Gator K thing anyway, and I just put the head on the floor in front of it. And um, it's mostly for at home anyway, but I was playing with a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, uh, Dan Kish, um, uh, I'm gonna say like, like Harbinger of the show, uh, and uh, he was uh, we were we were noticing well at least I noticed that it was lacking bass because I had decoupled it from the floor. I think Mesa amps particular or Mesa cabinets particularly need to be coupled to the floor. Um, Most I,
1: amps sound better when put on the floor, folks.
0: well, they sound better in the room but not on a recording. So like if we're gonna record it may sound better to be up off the ground, but yes. nevertheless. So Um, I came across a while ago, and actually when I first bought my stand, I came across these guys, a a company called Atlas Stands, and I was trying to fix the thing of, you know, where do I put my head, and actually what I found was, they have designed a wooden stand um, that looks really nice, it's it's a luxury product, and I'm going to say that first and foremost, but they came up with a shelf design, so the amp is tilted back at a specific angle, and the shelf is at a specific angle, so you can put the head on top. Um, that's Atlas stands and you can go check out their website and you can look at their product. It's very cool. They got little bags. I'm sure they're the, the bags are probably made in China or something like that. I'm sure. Um, and, and the, the, uh, ca- the, the itself folds up. It's actually very small. It's, it's about the size of your, your folded metal stand, maybe a little bit thicker. Yep. Um, I was thinking about buying one of these for the, for the, um, you were talking about your, your, uh, guitar room last week. This is a product that, that would work in a situation like that, you know, where, Okay, so I have this really pretty looking stand, and I got I, my room's all decorated. Um, yep. they're fairly pricey. They're I think they're like three hundred plus dollars. Um, I reached I reached out to him uh, the the uh, well I th- I assume it's one person um, the guy that that uh, responded to me and And uh, I asked him, I said, "Do you want to come on the show and do an interview?" and he he may he may still come back and say, "Yeah." but i I uh, sent him the podcast and whatever. And he was real cool. And I asked him, I said, "Well, is this going to fix the coupling problem? Because I'd like to have the amp pointed at me, but still coupled. And he was very honest and said, "No, this is not really that's not really what this is designed to do." So really, um,
1: that's interesting. yeah.
0: Yeah, well, if you could see in the pictures on their site that the uh, the feet of the amp do actually do not rest on the um, on the stand itself. And if the feet I, – I think it's the feet, the rubber in the feet that causes it to transmit vibration to the floor.
1: Right.
0: So, um, I don't know. I, I'm still interested. I'm still thinking about buying one. I think it's a long-term purchase. It's a luxury purchase. It's not something that I would necessarily be like, God, I have to have this to perform. Um, right, but it's something that I'm interested in. I think you know. Take a look if you if you're trying to please your spouse or whoever to make you know your amp look prettier in the room. I know that people talk about that. My wife doesn't care where my gear's at, frankly. Um, take a look. You know, it's it's cool stuff. What, so, what do you think, Jim?
1: Yeah. All right. So I, I'm I'm with you on that 100. Um, let me let me tell you where I am on that. So I looked at, you sent me the link. When David mentions that it's a luxury item, what he's saying is that these are very decorative, very pretty guitar stands, but they're guitar stands. And the practicality of it is... That it's still a guitar stand and it's still holding your, your guitar at an angle. You, so you no, you it.
0: mean an amp an amp stand. Amp stand, I'm sorry. We've been doing this thing the whole Jeez, time. Been like, talking I've been the doing whole time. it
1: too. It's an amp stand. I I uh, an amp stand it still points the amp at your at your head. Um and it's made of wood, and they're very decorative and very pretty. Um but is that really something that you want to spend? What was the price tag on those things? I want to say it was around $400, wasn't yeah, it? it's
0: $300 plus dollars.
1: Oh, my God. I just I can't see me buying an amp stand for $300. I, I can see me spending $60, $70 on an amp stand.
0: Yeah, I, it's, totally, it's totally not a practical purchase. No. Um, but, like, if you've got a studio and you're trying to impress clients and stuff, this may be something that that would be kind of cool to have.
1: Right. And I would say that if um, I was trying to remove the amp from the floor, as you were mentioning for um, recording purposes, great idea. Now that said, just like you were saying before, you want that amp coupled to the floor when it comes to live sound.
0: Yeah, it makes it like a subwoofer.
1: Yeah. It gives you that low end. Can you hear my dog snoring in the background? Because I can hear him snoring loudly. Not at all. Good. Because he's snoring like a freight train right now. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. I, I just, I think that if you want to get something like that, it would be cool I just don't know. I honestly, David, the, the fear I have is you're going to get it. You're going to put it up there, and you're going to go, "Geez, it sounds just like being on a, 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 you know, what is it? What is that brand that?" Um, uh, the Gator that I have. A Gator or a. Um, and you know, it's not. It's not about music, that. Um, music stand. Do you know what it's, it's really?
0: About? Do you know what it's really about, Jim? It's about getting the head off the floor. Like that's the only reason I'm still looking at these right. because nobody else. I, I swear. Like, Gator, get off your ass and and add an extension so that you can put your head
1: on top of a, of a cabinet set. Oh my god, yes. So, here's my problem. So, here's my head, right? Those of us who use a non-combo amp. Here's the head. I put the fucking head! The stand is like this. So, if I try to put the head on top of the amp. It's gonna fall. And, and now, I'm stuck... Needing to put the head like on a on a six foot or more, so I can find a place to put it down. Give me, don't they make there? I I thought I saw. now you have to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if Gator makes it. Who makes it? They had one with the tilt. It's made for co- um for amps with heads. It's got the tilt, and then like off the back of it, it's got like a another rest that's for the head.
0: Isn't there I one like that? I have heard that yes, I have seen an item that exists like this, but I have heard it is incredibly tipsy. It
1: is. It is exactly like finding Bigfoot, right? And then, like you said, and that's the other part of it. So, and that's exactly what I was thinking when I um, when I heard about it is how stable is it?
0: Mm-hmm. And this this doesn't look so. When you look at the when you look at the shelf and how it sits on top of this thing, yep. it's a really cool design because it doesn't look like it would be stable. But then you look at the base of this thing and how far back it goes, yep. and it actually—I mean, yeah—that's going to sit up there just fine. Right. Um, now, Fender fixed this problem a long fucking time ago by putting it's—it's uh, it's like a metal feet system that the amp actually hangs on And I know the EVH amps, the smaller ones, were doing it for a while too. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a 50 watt head where had a kickstand and then, it, and then these like metal pieces actually fit together. And so the, so the head could be left on the amp and the whole thing could be leaned back. That's really cool. Now, nobody else is going to do that. So, and maybe even fender has a patent on it or something. I don't know. Um, and that would be a really, really long patent to have, but, um, the the ultimate thing is like it's either that's got to happen. Somebody's gonna come up with an extension, or they got to come up with some sort of table that you can that you can put over the top of it that's just big enough to hold the head, right? You know that, that goes for that. Because and and the thing is like it's got to look stage appropriate, you know, like it's got to look like the, the amp stands do. And that's that's part of the thing. Because like I can always bring a card table, you know, and set it on top, but it's just gonna look ridiculous. Like I, as we all know. Part of performance is visual representation, and you want to look professional, or you want to look, you know, Absolutely. the visual part for your band. Um, and I think the other thing is, like, for a lot of people maybe nowadays is just put the head in a, in a rack next to it and put the cabinet on the stand. Yep. You know, and and I could see that, too, especially with, like, a Mark V, 25 head, because that head is so damn small. Just throw it in a rack and be yeah. done with it. Yeah. So.
1: I got to agree with you there. <clears throat> Hundred percent.
0: Anyway, anyway, so cool, cool design. If you're if you're in the market for a luxury item and you have like a nice music space and you want to you know look at this. In fact, I've, I've also seen people on here Jim with with two combo amps on the same stand. Um, yep. So you, you know this this items out there. Uh, they seem like real friendly people. Um, you so, want to mention yeah, the website and again? It is uh, atlas-stands.com and I think they make some other products too. I think they make some guitar stands, and the guy's obviously like a, a woodworker. So, yeah. Um, I think
1: that, I, again, so the floor physically is providing you with bass response or bass, yeah, bass response. So, why wouldn't I, I still don't, I guess I don't understand how the feet are separating it from the floor. Removing that, especially as short as it is. That was the other side of it that I wasn't crazy about. It's only about this high. And those of you who don't see me, it's it's not even like, what, eight inches maybe?
0: Yeah, I think, I I mean, maybe they're, they're like misunderstanding what I was say, was saying. And so I didn't really want to make a big deal about the, the decoupling effect and all that. Because this design, first off, you're going to make a lot more contact with the amplifier with this design than you would like your normal um Metallic stand style amplifier, and I would think the contact is different too because you're going from metal. Like I can't stress this enough: your cabinet is super important, and the things that it touches affect the tonality of it. it, it right. It's absolutely true. If don't believe me, play get a head in the cabinet, play through it, take the head off the cabinet while you're playing on it, and you'll hear it change. It'll be subtle, but it will change. Yep. Um. So. If it's co- in contact with a metal bar, that's probably going to have a different sound than a wooden than a wooden, uh, you know, slap or something like that. Um, and these guys, their their whole um, their whole te- their whole thing, like how they started, was they basically they they're professional musicians and they um, they were using metal stands and uh, they just they hated them. Yeah, they hated the sound of them. They hated that they felt flimsy. They hated the way they looked. So they yeah. redesigned it. Yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> I honestly think that that for the for what you're looking for, it's gonna be your best option,
0: yeah. i don't know I don't know if they've been looking for anything to be honest with you. so it may not it may never come to fruition, but but it's a cool product. that's cool. it's out there.
1: yeah.
0: um, so again, that's uh, atlas standscom so
1: nice. now, what have you been listening to this week musically?
0: <laughs> so we're gonna get back to our 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 fake segment that we do every every week that we do every once in a while. yep, um this week. I have I have two albums recently downloaded in my iTunes. I'm looking at right here, Ooh. and uh, I'll tell you the first one. This is not going to be a big surprise to you. Um, I just recently downloaded both sides of the sky, which is a Jimi Hendrix like posthumous release that just oh, came yeah. out. Oh yeah, how did you? What did you back. think
1: of that? Because to me, I actually
0: have liked some of
1: the songs on it.
0: Um, I've only listened to like the first couple of tracks off of it so far. Um, I've had the music ADD lately. I'll be driving down the road and we listen to a song and I'll be like. Oh, you know, I really want to go listen to this other song, and so I'll go download it or whatever. Um, and then the other one—this is gonna, this is gonna crack you up. I got Lionel Richie's and the Commodores Gold Collection.
1: <laughs> that is hilarious. That is you can't Ly- imagine me listening to Lionel Richie, can you? Lionel Richie, hello. Go- <laughs> is hello. it me you're looking for? Cause I, I can see it in your eyes. And I can see it in your smile. <laughs> it's all I've ever wanted. My my wife is in the
0: background here cracking up. Well, I love the harmonic minor on that song, man. Um, yeah. And then, of course, um, what's that song? I can't remember the name of it offhand. Uh, the song you did with Diana Ross.
1: Oh, the 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 um uh, endless Duet. love. Yeah. Yes, endless love. <laughs> That God, was great. Harmony, sings endless
0: love to each other in the dark. Lots of strangers do that, right? The
1: thing about yeah, the thing about yeah, two guys on a podcast singing ex- endless love to each other. You know, <laughs> um, I will say this though, because I I love um, Lionel Richie's music. Um, that's a that's a great song, and the the blend of their two voices. What was that? Wasn't that on a Wasn't that on a movie with Brooke Shields and stuff or something? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think so.
1: Yeah, it's been so long ago. somebody's gonna I say, mean, "Look, born. I know, it's,
0: I know." It says on the record, like music from. Yeah. Um,
1: anyway, it was. I, I want to say it was in a movie, but I can't remember what movie. Oh,
0: it's a soundtrack version, but they don't tell you. Yeah, it was in a movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, Bastards. Uh, I just remember that their voices. Really was just the sweetest harmony that I'd heard in a long time. People talk about harmonies, like they'll talk about the Beatles. They'll talk about harmonies that that these guys were putting together. It's just awesome.
0: All right, and then it's just we're talking about Lionel Richie. We got we got to bring this up.
1: Yeah, man,
0: what the fuck? Like he doesn't age. He's like a goddamn vampire. Oh, I know, I know. He right? looks exactly the same as but he did like fucking thirty five years ago. Like, Dude's gotta be like pushing seventy now. Oh and yeah. And he lo- he looks like he did when he was like thirty years old. Same fucking haircut, no fucking wrinkles, sounds the same, <laughs> same attitude,
1: he's still physically fit. Whose blood is he drinking? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, what was that what was that famous painting? The the story about the the person that kept getting their youth back? Oh, uh um uh, Dorian Gray? Dorian Gray. I knew it started with a D. I couldn't remember. Guess what movie the um, Endless Love came from? The movie Endless Love. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's geez. why I couldn't
0: sing the- <laughs> it. Oh my god. What the hell is wrong with
1: that? <laughs> guess, who, guess what other song was on it? I Was Made For Loving You. Yeah. I was made for loving you, baby. Come on, Dave. Sing it with me. You no. were made for... <laughs> oh, Dreaming... I don't sing live songs to you anymore. Dreaming from Lionel Richie,
0: yeah.
1: Or not? Right? Oh, I right. What am I talking? About? Cliff Richard. Um,
0: Cliff, yeah, yeah. Cliff
1: Richard was the was the um, Elvis Presley of UK. Um, so, uh... great songs. Wow! I need to get that album. Yeah,
0: but you know, West telling you I have music ADD. All I was listening to that, and all I could think about was Stevie Wonder. the Whole fucking time is horrendous. I'm trying yeah. to listen to, to Lionel Richie, and I'm like, I'm like, man, I really want some fingertips right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fucking awful! Oh my god! And I, I got to be living for the city. Like, what the hell? You were born in the city. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> oh no! They're making another uh, um, Mario Brothers movie.
0: Oh God! No, just let's not talk about it. Last, Super week, um, last week Mario
1: Brothers at 20 Oh no it's talk, just a re-release of the old one I think We
0: didn't do our music of the week last week but last week was Tina Turner
1: You know yeah. okay so I'm a I'm a huge fan of but that movie came out in 1981 I love I'm a f- huge fan of pop music I love pop music oh, the older pop music I'm going to be I'm going to sound just like by the way those of you who should um who who enjoy a little funniness Go watch the, um, the, uh, um, South Park episode, You're Getting Old, because, uh, Randy is, t- Randy is, um, there, oh yeah, Brooke Schultz was in that movie, by the way. Anyway, Randy, um, uh, sees his son get... A new album with this um, music on it, and then the music goes from sounding like a boy band to going—it sounds like shit. And then you know, because mother tells him the music sounds like shit, and then he, he finds out he's got—he's um, a cynicist, he's a cynical, and it, it, the, the cynical stuff. That's and, amazing. Yeah, it's hilarious. Wow, that movie, *Endless Love*. Wow, that movie would never be done today. Yet, yeah, I—it looks like they're doing a new version. A high school student's love for a 15-year-old girl is thwarted by his parents' disapproval and circumstance and accident.
0: Why couldn't it be like the court's disapproval?
1: I know. That's what I'm saying. So now they're going to... Oh, they did it in 2014. They redid it. I guess that one flopped. I never heard of it. Say goodbye to innocence. Oh, he winds up in jail. Domestic violence. Um, yeah, so I I, could, I think it turns a little darker. They they
0: so, the story. So, Let let me just back this up. Yes. They're gonna remake *Endless Love*. Yes. And then they're gonna they're gonna make it a statutory rape case. Right. And and That's then like. uh, and then on top of that, he gonna be ba- or, uh, he's gonna be baby's daddy and gonna beat that woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, oh my god. West Virginia.
1: So my set list this week, by the way, has. Has been some '80s tough. Um, <clears throat> one of the songs that I've been learning is a um, a remake of Daughtry in the air, or I mean, in the air tonight by by uh, Phil Collins. Daughtry remake of that. Um,
0: oh, I know. That's the, con- that's the constipation that you're making me feel right now.
1: <laughs> Fuck that's, my life. It's that burrito that you're listening. To, there, your no, reading.
0: these are tacos, man. But I gotta say, right now, dude, like. What the hell is with these people and remaking shit that doesn't? (laughs) No, wait. All right, I'm not going to get up tomorrow and be like, man, I really need to make remake uh, Black Sabbath's Black Sabbath. Like that's their thing, that's their song, and there's nobody that needs to cover that shit.
1: Yeah, but can you feel it coming in the air tonight? That's the question. All right, the other thing um, that I've been working on this week or listening to a lot because I've been working on it. Obviously, Working for the Weekend, which is a fun song. By the way, although it's simple, it's a relatively simple song, what's interesting about it is, because I watched Paul Dean, the original guitar player, show you how to play it. Um, He does this little YouTube thing because it's very simple. Yeah. And he's like, he goes... And I was like, if you listen to the guitar, that's heavy. That's heavy because he goes, he doesn't play... Typically, if you're gonna play in G, you would go to the B, right? He he does that riff, ends an A, which gives it a certain thump that you just don't expect. And then it it, it it's resolving to a B because the, the song is in B minor. But the but the interesting part is that he's playing an open E into an F sharp, a G, and then an A, not a that- B.
0: That freaking oh my guitar my part my is God. heavy, dude. Like, it if is. you could rip that, if you could rip that out, and then you could put a different, different line with it and different drums, you straight up got an Iron Maiden song. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's 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 like in that vein. Um,
1: I mean, the the solo is literally three notes. <laughs> That's the whole yeah. solo. It's it's a, a dyad and then another dyad. but you change one note and you leave the other note in the dyad. It's just that simple. I mean it's yeah
0: it's I'm j I'm thinking of the solo now it's like no it goes, da, da. It goes right, right,
1: right, right, water 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 oh yeah and it's I'm all thinking wah about pedal. That. I'm
0: thinking about the bridge or some shit like
1: it's all wah pedal. and I just thought this is the most it's the most genius simplistic song that I've heard in forever. Um well, but then he makes he makes, you know, when he goes to the to the next part, I mean you think about vocally this thing is incredible. <clears throat> so when he goes from the um, you know, everybody is working, he goes from B minor to D, an interesting choice of movement for um the you know, to go to the major versus the minor. Yeah. Usually you start in a major and go to a minor, He's starting a minor and going to the major, and then movement from that uh that piece. Um uh so he goes. He goes from that into, you know, uh, when he goes into the weekend and then you hear it. He's just pl- he's playing a G, but then he chooses an A. Is it just the way that he moves all the song of those? Around.
0: All of those unique choices are the reason that that song is still like people. People still know it. And, and it's that it, it gives it the familiarity. Because, yes, when you hear that song, like, like we said, it's got a really heavy guitar part. It does not seem like a song that would have a major key or like a major chorus, um, and it does, and that's what's made it an enduring piece of music. I I don't I'm not really familiar with the band's other work, um, but I have a feeling their other work is not in that vein. No, that it's yeah, that it's darker and
1: and here's the other part. So I'm going to send you the link for this. We really should put this in the show notes. He built this guitar. When I saw it in the '80s, I thought, "Oh, that's a strap. No, this this is a um, this is a hodgepodge of guitars that he put together. And guess what kind of bridge he's got? he has got a Tone Pros bridge, not a not a whammy bar. He's got a Tone Pros um, set bridge versus a, <laughs> I'm like you were fucking kidding me <clears throat> uh, with a with a Strat like body. And a strat like neck and head stock, but it's not a strat. You look at it and you go, This is what the fuck is this thing? It's just made up stuff. And it's the coolest. I mean, it's It's got a cool factor that can't be beat. When you,
0: yeah, I can picture the guitar in my head because I remember seeing it in
1: the video or whatever. Yeah, so when I send you this, and of course, he's still using the same guitar. Now he's skinnier than he ever was, but the lead singer is breaking. I mean, he ate another person. I mean,
0: Holy crap. Yeah, no, I, no. I ate another fucking person, to be honest with
1: you. Uh, no, you were not. It, uh, I guess Um, uh, Mike... Uh, I, I was
0: looking at some know. pictures of myself back when I was a fucking teenager uh, this morning. Because, yeah, I was up at 3.30 this morning. If you guys are in the Facebook group, you know I went to fucking get coffee at like 5.30. I know. I was um, watching
1: your video, and I was like, where is he walking to coffee? I got to do 7-Eleven yeah. walks, I guess.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, I was laughing because... um. I was looking at these pictures, and, like, I'm like, who the hell was that? Like, I'm, like, looking at it, I'm like, that ain't me. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. Like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck,
1: man? Like, I'm, I'm like, three is. people thick now. It's ridiculous. But when you get a chance to look at how he he mounted that bridge, he mounted it in an offset opposing the, the bridge pickup. You know how on a strat the bridge pickup is, is um, uh, on a slant, right, compared to the yeah. bridge? sure he so the bridge is straight and the and the um pickup goes like this he did this <laughs> so if you look he mounted a a tone Pro's bridge this oh guy, yeah he made yeah, a he made it an angular
0: well, and I've seen other guys do this now but not as deep as that, and I think that's probably just to compensate for um intonation he's trying to compensate for intonation yeah
1: because notice he doesn't have a, a set of saddles. He's just got it. Yeah. He's got a. He, he's doing so, folks. He's doing a um, over the bridge string. You know they I call know. it what do they call it over wrap or top wrapped.
0: Yeah, the top wrap. Yep. I gotta do this. Thank you, PRS. Yeah. Thank you for taking all of your bridges and making adjustable saddles. Yes. Oh my God. The, those, those that style bridge with no freaking adjustable saddles. What Pain the hell bit. were you thinking? Yep.
1: What were they thinking?
0: Yep. Oh, I want to change my string gauges. Well you can't.
1: You fucking can't. Can't. <laughs> and I and <clears throat> my last song um this week, uh The Safety Dance. Oh. Not again. Wow, talk about a piece of shit. No. No, <laughs> it was hanging on the telephone. So by Blondie. A very interesting okay. song, given that it's an E flat. Um, interesting chord choices. By that, it's E flat, G minor. Um, just a a weird a weird set of courses, and I mean chord choices, um, and very very weird because it starts on the E flat. What's what's strange is you're singing on E flat, then you're singing on G minor, and the, yeah. and and then you go back and forth, but you never know where it's going to start. Well, you do know that, if you learn That song. A band, that's a band I
0: need to get. So I got um I got them and I got Devo on my list of yeah. bands to start listening to more. And uh yeah, I can totally yeah, I can dig that.
1: Yeah. So those are the stuff I'm doing right now. I'll tell you what song really sucks, and there's no way to say that it's good in any way. Save tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. Just an awful <laughs> song. But I'm learning it because it <laughs> so it's a fast. safety dance. Oh my God! Yeah, you know the safety dance is fun, because you can play. You know, it's it's a simple lick, right? Ding, 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 digga, digga, ding, 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 digga, 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 ding, ding, ding.
0: Our audience can't see my face. I'm giving you right now, but I'm like, fuck you.
1: You can do fuck interesting you. stuff with it, though. Have you seen Frog Leap Studios' version of that?
0: No, and I don't want to. You should. I'd rather go to the bathroom and take a giant shit. You know what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thank you. Now for I'm our... starting to sound like uh, who's the guy from Spectre SMG
1: Spectre That's right, Studios. Glenn Fr- Glenn yeah, Fricker. Now, now I'm sound like Glenn Fricker. I'd rather Glenn. take a shit, Jim. I'd rather take a giant up. I'm going to tell you right now. These watch the the um, <clears throat> the uh, Frog Leap Studios version of that. You'll get a whole new look at the way the safety dance can sound. Is it going to make me slip my wrists? Nope. Nope. If you don't like it, you can always stop. He yeah, takes it. He, I know. He, I don't like it, so I'm not going to watch it. He takes it right <laughs> to a metal level. Oh um, God! And he does a great job with it. I I'm not a person that typically likes metal. These metal health will locations. drive you mad. Yeah, but metal he- metal health will drive you mad. I'll tell you. That's that. what I just said. So anybody, <clears throat> anyway, everybody, please uh, look forward to next week when we continue to babble about guitars, movies music, and other weird shit uh, that pops before,
0: into our... Before we go, I have a request for our listeners. Yes. I have a strange request, but in honor of this show and hitting this big milestone that we hit like two weeks ago, yep. and we're actually about to have another banner month, yep. Um, I I request that everybody on Thursday crank up some Tina Turner in the car and sing it as loud as you can and just disturb everybody oh, around Oh,
1: hell you. yeah. Oh, hell yeah.
0: yeah. I'm going to do uh, Private Dancer, and I'm, I'm looking at my wife because she's seen me do this before, and it's just hysterical. Like, Private Dancer. Maybe I'll even live stream it.
1: You know, so for me, Tina Turner, it would have to be um, Big Wheels Keep On Turning. Oh, like, no, Proud I Mary. that no, would I have, have that to be one. Proud Mary. River Deep, Mountain High. Uh, <laughs> what's love got to do, got to do with it? What's up but a second and emotion? Oh Jim. Jim, Jim, Jim. I could I could do uh you know Goldeneye. How about Mark private dancing? That's why I said I'm doing private dancer. Oh shit, you're doing private dancer. That's right. The express shit. will do nicely. Thought, Thank you. We don't yeah Jeff <laughs> Beck on it though. Yeah, but what's love got to do with it? I could do that. Yeah, go for it. But mine has Jeff Beck on it, so. Yours does. Mine does not. Who does? <laughs> Who does the guitar work on, um, on, uh, what's the, got to do, got to do with it. What's the, Ike. Well, the second emotion. No, it was 1984. Ike isn't on there. (laughs) Do you know, did you know, here's a little Tina Turner trivia for you guys, um, before we sign out. Did you know that Tina Turner has no hair?
0: No, she does not. And why? I don't know why.
1: Okay, so... yeah, the, the, I remember reading this, um, Tina lost her hair because she kept trying to straighten it and curl it, straighten it, curl it, and those old curling irons and stuff, it burned her hair, and some stuff happened, and it destroyed her hair, because she's bald.
0: No, I knew I knew that she was bald, and I, and I knew there was something medical, I didn't know it was it was uh, caused by the curling and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, so it was all this she stuff that it, happened
0: uh, early on. She was wearing even when she was with Ike, she was wearing wigs.
1: It was very early on. It was when she was young. Well, you gotta remember she went with Ike, what, she was a teen, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was teen. Like i mean, there's like the, the time <laughs> where she where she was covering like uh Acid Queen and stuff like back then. That yeah. she was wearing wigs back then.
1: Yep. So, so. find your favorite uh, Tina Turner song and crank up. Uh, it up crank
0: it. Right? and when people when you're when oh. I, I, Crack your windows. And when people look at you crazy at the stoplight, you stop it, and you turn to them, and you go listen to the Practical Guitars podcast. That's how we're going to do it.
1: Okay, so <laughs> Bri- Tina Turner or Brian Adams. That's the one I'm going to do. <laughs> it's only love! But that's hey. all! Hey,
0: hey, hey. It's, it was Terry Britton that was the guitar player for uh for her on What's Love Got to Do With It. Was it? That's a good. Yeah. Okay. So Thank you. Anyway, uh, I'm insane. You guys don't have to actually do this, but it would be fun. Uh, I will. I'll be looking forward to live streaming some rancid Tina Turner activity by the end of the week.
1: Yeah, I'll have to learn. Um, uh, it's only love for you. It'll be in the car. It'll be in the
0: car because that's when I do my singing.
1: Yep. So. Yep. Oh yeah, I can do that too. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I'll turn off Game of Thrones and put this on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Alright. Fair enough. It's only love. <laughs> anyway, I've been David. I have been Jim. And I've also been Tina Turner in this episode.
1: And this has been the and I've been Brian Adams. Yeah. And this uh, is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Thanks, folks. Filled with endless love. Yes. Endless love.